You better not include any of that in the intro. Nah, maybe I will. Who knows? <laughs> this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. comic book noise listeners special alert we have a secret broadcast it's just me andrew the la rabbit and wx kev from the arctic circle say hi kev i thought you said it was just you and and you i think i think you're supposed to ask me about controversial things at this point no 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 we have to explain what this is this is the bonus oh, that's right episode where we're covering the complete eight ball from Fantagraphics. We had our shocking first episode folded into a regular episode of Indie Comic Book Noise, but then I told Kevin that I didn't want to bore Phil instead. <laughs> <laughs> so I we're trying we're right. this as a separate segment thing. I don't know if we'll do 17 of these things. We'll see 16. how it goes. But at least this way we can kind of futz around and get lost with just the two of us and who cares you know we're not like we don't have super steve to make sure we actually get things done i mean is he ever here anyways he was just here two minutes ago you just missed him wait oh right he's like pokeroo do you hear that door closing that was super steve (laughs) (laughs) indie comic noise part of the deliberate noise network find old episodes and show notes at our website indiecomicnoise.com Find us on social media. You can leave comments for the show, interact. We're part of the Deliberate Noise Network, home to awesome podcasts, including our regular episodes of Indie Comic Book Noise and Marvel Noise, where you hear, found out about all the marvely goodness. But as you heard from the beginning, we do have a disclaimer, because these are some hot adult comics, Kevin. These eight-ball books, they really got some nudity and bad language and everything controversial i mean there there is definitely some topics that uh used to be controversial and maybe someone still gets outraged about them but anyways we'll get to it yeah this is uh as you heard if you listen to our earlier episode where we covered issue one this is a recent trade that was released in 2022 at the end yes. Kevin and I got the cheapo version but I think there's some like deluxe super expensive there was autographed or hardcover or whatever from what I can tell on the binding it looks like they just took the issues and bound I haven't counted but it looks like the 18 issues are kind of bound together in the sort of square bound my cover has already got that fold in it I don't I know. was I hope I was, it survives uh, Andrew, I wasn't going to throw them under the bus, and I was going to say, oh, I'm sure Fantagraphics does great work and binding and everything, and this won't end up like one of those novels where you try to avoid the lines down the spine. I don't, I'm curious how, I think 18 issues 
is a lot. I don't, I know you love omnibuses, but for me, I find it's hard to get those bindings good. And it's just a lot. And these are big issues. Like they're not, I don't know if they're more or less than your average Marvel or DC, but I would have been happier with two volumes, nine issues a piece, but that's me. Boo hoo. Andy's no fun. I wouldn't have been happy spending $75 on this. No, no, I don't. But if you're going to get two volumes, I'm thinking it's at least $75. Well, then we would have just bought the first volume. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that might have worked out for the best. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, geez. And it's like they wouldn't be able to sell two volumes, right? Well, maybe not. But we... uh... Cut to, uh, this is uh, Daniel Klaus starting in the late 80s and published over like a solid decade or more, I think. Yeah. I should probably get the dates of when each of these got crapped out. They do have Indicia that let me know this issue, too, is uh, righted to 1989. Yeah. To put yourself in the headspace of what was going (laughs) on on the the scene. I mean, this, this wouldn't be an indie episode if i didn't derail you andrew but uh bloodshot on lease number four dots the eyes crosses those t's so i just wanted to get that in there oh, early good well is that it's been on my mind if we never get any more it'll be sad okay and that's the current that's not the bloodshot from 1989 i take it that's the no that would be the bloodshot that... existed i think but no that's but yeah, it says 1989 shot. in this second issue, and I'm like, I, I, I just some of the stuff I, I I'm like in 1989. Hmm. Anyhow, <laughs> we'll get there. You're trying to remember what '89 was like on the comic scene, weren't you? Well, we we start off with a quite nice color cover, two dollars, two fifty in Canada for this. With a uh, art student doing a kind of cubist, I guess, portrayal of a nude model with all the naughty bits covered with the pricing, publisher, and mature recommended for mature readers. Not really sure how much I would recommend the recommended for mature readers, but... <laughs> I mean, that is a decent cover. I will say, I legit laughed at one of the gags on the inside panel. What's funny is, and I think this is kind of similar to sketch comedy sometimes, I feel like sometimes there's like a good premise, but what makes me laugh often isn't the last joke or the ending. And like this one, it's not the ending that I find particularly funny. It was some bit in the middle. And I feel like that's the way sometimes when I'm watching sketch, like, I don't think they know how to end this sketch. Like, it's a funny setup or characters or whatever, but they just kind of meander till they move to the next one or whatever. Uh, it's it's kind of like I'm, I'm leaping way, way ahead here, but just like that prank phone call contest Oh my god! The, on the last page I didn't realize was the last page. The bit that made me laugh is so, <laughs> it says, is this legit? <laughs> for something, for some reason, that made me laugh. More than anything, I was just like, because it does seem like a goofy contest. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, maybe he's just goofing on everyone. But it is, but anyhow, back yeah, to the first play. It, it ends hey. with the, um, well, well, let's uh, jump back to that, the prank phone call contest. 
I guess 89 were still in. I know there was a heyday with like, this was, you know, they'd play them on the radio and the jerky boys got a movie out of it and everything. But I don't know. The prank I mean, I phone guess you call, have no called display. Pr- prank phone call thing. It just kind of eluded me, I guess, as a source of wit and humor. I mean, that's on me. Like, if you like it, that's cool. But I'm not like if this guy, that might be my problem is his vibe is the dudes that love prank phone calls. But that was never my like same with kind of those stunt video like jackass and stuff like uh. that type of real world acting silly to get humor. I don't know. It just doesn't land with me in the same way. And so I think that's where some of my problem comes is it's rooted in that sensibility. And that's just like it's not good or bad or anything. It's just not my jam. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of reminds me of, like, we're going to do a documentary on uh, if I eat McDonald's every day, we're going to see what happens. It's it's sort of like that, that comedy where you purposely go out of your way to get injured so you have something funny for your... It's just, like, I'm, I'm like, I know what's going to happen. I'm like, I don't find it particularly amusing. Yeah, it's just not my thing. Although I will say a prize of an original page of art is a pretty sweet prize, like... Oh, yeah. I don't know if we're going to discover a winner in later issues, but I was like, whoa, that's a good thing. I kind of wonder, but it's it's weird because it's like an audio medium, and then they're, we're going to display the the winner. And I just imagine him getting all these tapes and just sitting back one day listening to them all and, and, and finding it really funny. Well, I was wondering if maybe he would use some of it in a strip, like... Maybe? It seems like that's the type of thing you could be like, oh, if it's really funny, I can use this as some kind of basis for a strip type of thing. And then this is where we get our first letters column, and it has all the grand dams of indie comics, like lauding praise, uh, you know, uh, you, Dave what, Stevenson. You think all these are real? Michael Gilbert. Well, some of the names I definitely recognize. And <laughs> okay. I mean, maybe he just faked it, but like... Scott McCloud. I mean, I doubt Pete Bag is going to, like, sue because he said <laughs> nice things about it or Robert Crumb. On the other hand, what are the odds those guys are reading this comic? That I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they'd probably be reading, more likely be reading this than some other, like, I, like maybe the, the Image Founder is not reading their stuff out of Marvel. Yeah, I don't, um, I just, I mean, there is a legit letter, it appears to be, too. Yeah. But I also don't, it could be, look, there's no, you can have fake letters or whatever. It's well, you know, like you know Marvel what makes and DC used to have fake letters, so I'm not gonna. Like, I didn't think the first issue was, uh, it was offensive or outrageous or anything. No, not But then all. they have a letter that's just like, oh, this is the most offensive thing ever. I'm like, really? That's why I think I don't know. Maybe fake. maybe people were different in 1989. Uh, the uh, 80s, the original 80s boom of black and white comics had very, very offensive, co- like as <laughs> sexist, race, like because the barrier to entry was nothing. Like yeah. the shelves were flooded with some pretty awful stuff. Like it didn't take, you didn't have to go very far to see stuff that this at least is dressed up with skill and a great craft like some of that stuff was just weird kind of, like i said weird racist or sexist yeah stuff just like there didn't have a lot of skill behind it just like there's a thing in here where i'm like is that the kid not pronouncing things differently 
Or is that legitimately not wanting to spell out the word abortion? And I was like, maybe it's just kids talk funny. But I, I was like, I was going back and forth. That one actually, because it was making fun of an existing comic strip, the yeah. circus, that one I thought was pretty, like, I like, I like, it made me laugh a little bit because he mimics the stock, not greatly, but enough to suggest that it's that particular comic strip. Like, he doesn't really do super parody like some artists are really good at mimicking like he just does enough to let you indicate the circular yeah. border the kind of rough outline that oh yeah this is family circus bill Keene's strip like not i mean i mean i was happy to see some different styles and and things at play here yeah yeah for sure well we pick up with part two of like a velvet glove cast and iron uh, we pick up where the cops had uh, picked him up at the end. He had had the alcohol, like, spit on him or thrown up on him. So they were going to turn him in. And it's funny that the cops are lovers, too. Like, that part yeah. make me laugh. I like how they're... That. But basically, they offer him one of these crazy deals where if they let him beat him up or whatever, they'll let him go. And so they beat him up and leave a mark on his foot, and then he wakes up in some dream area and uh that was doing nothing for me <laughs> you can have dreams in comics but they're they're a hard sell for me kevin they're hard in fiction in general what are your thoughts on dream sequences i mean i actually don't mind dream sequences it's not one of my least favorite techniques you can use i mean I, this is probably one of those things i don't know maybe i was pretty intrigued by stuff like that early on so when i would do do my own like crude drawn stuff i, I would always do a dream sequence because i'd be like oh this is gonna be funny you can do this crazy stuff i know some people really don't uh it yeah, just i guess it just bugs me if it goes on too long like i remember like a, a 90s issue of the x-men and it's like oh no gambit's dead and then it went on and it was like a my giant sized issue and it's like three quarters of the issue before the real it was all a dream and I'm like well obviously like you can do some funny bits and it's like it doesn't necessarily contribute anything to the narrative but you're just goofing around and, and having fun no no I, I I don't know I just feel like sometimes they're like a kind of distraction from the story or whatever I mean but this one has the yeah, Evangelion yeah story. You're right. It's a quick kind of ties in with the motif because I believe that's supposed to be the woman that he saw from the porno film, which is sort of where this quest started. So, yeah, related. I'm not entirely sure because he wakes up around with a bunch of porno magazines. Again, not sure how well those have ate. Like, I don't even know if they have porno magazines anymore with the Internet. But uh, they used to have adult content in magazines, kids. It was great. <laughs> so he wakes up in a cult. He's all bandaged and he wakes up in a weird kind of cult that appears sort of like peace and love and openness and kind of very mellow. And you have to meet our guru, Godfrey. But this is the, like, I, of course, I always go back to a certain cult from the 90s. 
and certain things I'm very familiar with, and you're like, I'm like watching Saturday Night Live and all that, and this is definitely one of those, but this is 1989 or 1990. Yeah, which cult? So that's funny. It's like exactly like one of those things. I the, the cults just same thing just keeps on happening over and over again. Oh yeah, cults are a popular. <laughs> pat- I didn't know if there was one in particular. This one's gonna take the turn. Uh, spoiler: It's gonna be more the Manson style one instead of the race war. It's a gender war. Yeah, I'm not gonna start drinking the Kool Aid. Um, and so, but in the beginning, it's all hippies in love, and he meets the big uh, boss man, and then later on in the evening, and he's thinking about maybe trying to get out, and then one of the other guys says, oh yeah, the great gender war is going to come, and like I said, felt very Manson-y and everything. It's just weird that like, the 80s mimicking the 60s, and maybe there was some 80s cult that had this kind of like precipitating a war thing but i think of most of those like i said manson even things like jonestown was more they moved to like killing yeah. themselves instead or uh the one with the comet and they all wore the sneakers i, I was thinking are we going to the hell bob comet yeah where they wanted that but anyway so he's like oh my gosh i fell into this weird thing yeah and then he drinks some potion that drugs him out and he's up on a mission to kill what is it ann landers or some kind of famous media adjacent person do you remember that i just i just whenever someone brings up ann landers now i i mean i guess the foremost um memory in my mind is 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 that seinfeld episode where they have like that um I don't remember if he was a serial killer or something, but anyways, he's like has handcuffs and everything, and then at some point he just goes, "Ah, oh, Ann Landers sucks." <laughs> he uh, leaves the house while they're waiting to ambush her, and tricks the two people into leaving the van alone, and he steals the van, which I really liked. Yeah. And, uh, earlier he was trying to locate his car from before, but that's because it was a car he borrowed from his friend, so I think his friend's going to be pretty upset. But anyways, now he has a van, and he doesn't go home, he just goes to a diner. <laughs> that, that, I guess? I mean, I guess you you didn't want to have the stuff there. No, and you're at hungry. The cult. So, yeah, so you're hungry. I mean, I get him leaving, that makes sense, but I thought he might head back, but he's not going to give up his quest this easy. So he ends up at a diner with a waiter who looks like a potato you mean indie dupe yes there you go indie dupe (laughs) and he's gonna end up staying he needs a place to stay again he's into this quest and indie dupes mom has a room for him to rent but i think something else is going on yeah well you know dupe is pretty powerful we learned maybe indie dupe has the same Issue. I don't know. Well, if he's going to break out the video camera, right? Uh, is he? I, I don't... It just ends. That, that's, a, that's the thing. Doopy talks in that language. Yes. And he also has the video camera all the time. Oh, good point. But this dupe speaks English. And he doesn't seem to make any kind of... I don't know. There's no comment on why he looked... Like, we've seen that before for some reason. Yeah. Some of the, the guy with the monsters in his eyes or whatever. Some of the characters... I don't know if it's their inner self or something. I'm probably... 
just too stupid to know what that means. Or are it supposed to be an ugly person? I, I mean, I'm not... But we saw him render ugly people in the yeah. pussy story, so... Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, so there we leave off. So I guess that, that that's going to be the bit... And I'm trying to remember if years ago I might have taken it out of the library. I might have read this whole thing. Really? Because I did read some Dan Klaus out of the library. Huh. But this one isn't ringing a bell, but the title is. I don't know. Maybe it was one of the other ones. But then... I think this one's been collected separately, yeah. Yeah, so I know that. And then it, and the last story is I Hate You Deeply, which is just the kind of angry young man taking swipes at everybody. And to some I, extent I... it works because we all hate some random group of people. So, you know, if you pick on ev- just about every group of people you can think of, you know... Muscled men, well, yeah. military types, fashion plates, hips. I was going to ask you, is is this supposed to be funny? Is this supposed to be satire, or does he hate these people? I think it's supposed to be satire. I mean, I did like when he does the funny... Like I said, we talk about he parodies Family Circus for a panel. That was kind of good. But it has the kind of corny ending that doesn't... And he puts in some jokes... Like there's a reference to a guy looking at a a centerfold. In the old days of magazines, in the middle would have uh, fold-out pages of naked women. So he puts in a joke, and then in the thing, I think that girls, if you understand this, you're a lesbian, is meant to be a joke. Because it would mean that I, the girls I don't know, I don't, playboy. I don't know if there's any jokes in here. I mean, isn't that the joke? And the parody of Richie Rich. Um, there was a Richie Rich parody? I need to read more in depth in here, apparently. Yeah, well, that was the one about the thing he hates are when rich people take on the affect of uh, not wealthy people. So he has Richie I, Rich I don't know. going, yo, homeboy. Oh, yeah. that's clearly Richie Rich. I mean, right? Like, <laughs> I guess. The big bow tie, I don't know, cause... the hair parted. <laughs> like, the first story wasn't as as good as the as the as the part one and i for some reason i thought this issue was going to be longer i guess i was expecting that uh dan pousset to be uh to be after the like the letters page or something like i thought we were in the middle of the issue and then i'm like oh there's less pages and so then i'm i'm getting to this i hate you deeply and i'm like i'm like this was a slog like these these were rough pages to read i'm like i'm not laughing at any of this stuff no, I like I said, I personally enjoy the when they do slightly different styles and homage things. Yeah. It really what like he doesn't like guys with mullets, okay? He doesn't like, I'm like muscle men. He doesn't like Yeah, I get it. Like, he's making fun of people that are religious and I'm I'm like, this is not funny. And I'm like, I don't even know if this was funny in nineteen eighty nine. And I know there's definitely people nowadays that'd be like, Yeah you know, make fun of religion, but I mean that's that's definitely not what I'm looking for in uh, in comics. Well, so it doesn't seem to have much. Like, when you're just listing like groups of people, I guess if it works for you, it does. But I just like I think it would have been better having a couple of targeted groups, maybe rather than like I, it's literally four pages of just like I said, uh, um, collegiate creeps and. Um, you know, Richard Simmons and 
cartoon show, like idealist. Like it's just this like laundry list of people. And I guess maybe that's yeah. the funny part of it is like I don't know. Oh, he hates everything, and then at the end, like he's the I don't know. It just feels like some weird version of like the original '60s underground comics through a weird lens. I, mean, I don't know. It's like I if they, he brought some of these things on. It's like if he was on Letterman and he's like, "Yeah, I hate Richard Simmons or whatever," because there was a whole Richard Simmons bit on there. Yeah, but I don't, that I, part seems weirdly specific. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, get I, it's it. also like the Simpsons when they had the. It's a robotic Richard Simmons. Like never the, never the funniest thing. I don't know. It's just. It's just. And then I thought, oh, is he talking about me in a couple places? Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, I didn't know if he was trying to take a shot at himself with the humorless cartoonists. Yeah, a couple of times I said, so are you talking about yourself? But then, I don't know. I don't know. Like, it could be, but he also thinks he's... It seems to think he's he's pretty cool, and he has, like, the right opinions on everything, too, so... Yeah. And it was also... It's like, instead of telling me what you hate, what do you like? But then here I am complaining about his complaints in a comic so i'm like i could be covering something else too yeah yeah it was just uh it also felt like that kind of angry young man thing like yeah uh, yeah definitely and then there's even that brutal one where like he's like oh this is like an interruption in my life someone's calling me and they're about to commit suicide and i was like rough yeah i wondered if that was um that was meant to show, like, oh, these people. Maybe it's a parody of people that hate things and like guess? You hate everything. You're a, a bad person. But like I said, he does display a lot of different yeah techniques and the different panels and everything. And then I I think why these last strips, if I'm guessing, are in color is I assume they're the back page. Like I I'm guessing that's why. Like oh, that the would last make one sense. Yeah. Too. It has this kind of there's a question and then it's kind of answered and this one has dialogue by David Greenberger so I don't know if this is meant to be like a Harvey P car like a lot like something that happened and he's drawing things or I know Ardman the animation guys did that with their little they had kids talking about animals or whatever and they animated what the kids said type of thing so I don't know if this yeah. is supposed to be what real people said and this one is, what do you think of George Washington's voice sounded like? Which seems like a fine question. I mean, I'm sure for you Canadians, it's a bit like George Washington who? But. <laughs> I'm not really. I mean, if it's an American thing and you're talking about American history, like, I'm just like, that's that's your thing. But if it's like British people talking about American history, that's that's when... That's when I go off. I'm like, why are you covering George Washington again? I'm, I mean, I know it's obviously a thing because you're doing 20,000 AD or whatever, but I'm still always mystified by by that stuff. And I also think it's weird, like the back cover would be like a strip. Like you're using all the contents of all the pages for your comic, but it's also it's also weird. Like that's like a back cover thing. If that's how it is. Well, that's how I, I just did a quick, you know, like looking and they all have that like question color, like the, you know, six, seven panels, like they're laid out. They're all 
like that, which makes me think, oh, that would that must be why? Because it would be weird to have some random interior page colored. Like it seems like that would cost money that you'd spend elsewhere. You know, if this if this was a manga, I, the first few pages being colored would be uh, would be normal. <laughs> yes, yes, but this I'm thinking because it's the back and the front and these seems yeah. to be issues stitched together. That would be why those two are the color ones. Yeah, it was always weird. Um, some of the British comics I've read have done that too. The older, like they'll just be randomly a few pages in color, which is always yeah. nice. Like it's a nice surprise. Yeah, color insert. But uh, it it wasn't always clear when I was reading them why those paint like I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I mean, I'm glad to see it, but they seem somewhat random, <laughs> like the pages. But I was also thinking maybe if we continue, we do a couple issues at a time, Kevin. You know, instead of just the one issue. Now the question is, do we do like four or five in a block or? One or how do, how do we feel about? Do we want to continue? I have a feeling uh, can, I'm done can we with just, this thing. I'm probably can we just skip like when when he throws in the random bits about what he hates or you know there's those usually a couple pages with with like in the first issue I, I remember there are some bits too where he's just like oh I'm gonna throw in some gags like if I just skip the gags I'm sure my experience will be. Much improved. That could be. Maybe that's the key. Is we'll we'll do a more expedited and read a whole bunch of this and really rip through it. Yeah, I mean it's it's certainly been interesting, but I there's nothing in here that makes me so far want to revisit. Now maybe what's going to happen is when I get to like the seventh part, there'll be some kind of callback that'll make me. Oh my gosh, I got to go back. Remember when he did that thing in issue two? Now it's totally paying off type of thing. I mean, that could be, but I could see why the longer stories are, like, collected and why that would be, you know, where it's at rather than... I mean, I guess you could collect eventually all the short little bits and everything. It just seems so weird that, like, Ghost World is so... Like regular, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's not that there aren't weird elements, but it's like uh, the characters are developed and have consistency and are under. Like even when weird things happen, you kind of get where they're coming from. Where in these first ones, they're just either they're pretty thin in the Dan pussy thing, and they don't really seem real, or in this uh, glove one, they're just weird. Like I'm having trouble getting their jam so i'm excited when we get to those bits too because i did enjoy the movie and i think i've read some of the ghost world too so maybe well, it's just these kind of early bits where we're gonna have more yeah yeah i'm gl- i'm glad we're getting in the return of young dan next issue though yeah so um this is oh the- i have to ask you the question though oh, the sure. controversial question at the end of all of these was this issue better than a DC or Marvel comic? Well, what, which one, I guess, is the problem. Because <laughs> it's better than some and not better than others. So, I mean, do we have well, to pick one from, like, 1989? Oh, that's a good era, Would though. Would that be fair? Oh, a Marvel comic from 1989, that's pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's an era that's kind of fun. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm not going to mince words, Andrew. I've definitely read Marvel, DC, and Valiant Comics better than this, this issue. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same. But I've, I will say I've read worse ones. That's why the, <laughs> yes. Like, having the... Oh, that's why maybe we should pick... Not, like, the best, but, like, rant in the future. Maybe we'll pick... I'll pick a random list of like ten comics, and <laughs> that came we'll out see. Like... Hopefully, one of us have read them recently <laughs> and can be like, okay, that one. Because it's not fair to be like we're going to pick, you know, our favorite comic of that year. Because then it's like <laughs> we're comparing it. I feel like we should like have some random generator and pick like, oh, Ravage twenty ninety nine number one or whatever. And are you going to be like X Force two? Was this better than <laughs> X Force number two? <laughs> I will say when he gets into the 90s, though, he will have perhaps more advantage because I do feel like some of the 90s, although early 90s is still pretty fun. It depends what you're reading, it does. like always. That's the thing when, when people get down on comics. And I think we're in like a controversial statement, but I think we're like in the best period of comics right now. But like when people get down on something... It's it's like yeah you can look at like the part you wanna hone in on and and really just say everything's terrible but it's like if there's a hundred titles I'm not reading a hundred so if like ten percent is good and I'm only reading ten books like to me it's great but I might you might get the sense of oh the company's not doing well but you're only reading ten percent and you're reading the ten things you like so it's not hard to find that book like in the nineties like. There might be a higher percentage of bad stuff, but you can still find those books that, oh, that you're, you can attach yourself to. The other thing that's awesome is we have access to so much more now. Yeah. Like, with digital options and the internet and eBay, like we can get, plus the market is robust enough that they're doing collections all the time and stuff. Like 1989, I'm only getting what, is in the library or what I see at the com, you know, I'm not, my world view is much more limited. That's for sure. I'm not listening. I'm not, I'm not reading comics in 1989. I'm not uh, going on eBay and buying comics. (laughs) Like there, there's a lot of, I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I was, that was before I went to shows. I used to not go, you know, I was up in the woods. There weren't no, I'm sure there was some kind of, you know, hotel show or something once in a while. Yeah. I never went to any of them. So, it was pretty much, you know, whatever you ordered, either in a local store or maybe from Mile High Nice Club or something. Like, it really was very limited, and you're really dependent on that. I mean, I was never a preview. Well, the, the other thing is, this is still kind of the, uh, there's still multiple distributors. You know what I mean? An 80 I mean, there are multiple distributors again now. Yeah, but let's be honest, <laughs> three or what like then there was a this crazy tons of distributors covering all kinds of different publishers and and now i feel like you're not quite getting that breadth of it plus it's so much easier to look up different public like if i want to learn about something it's not i don't even remember what like i could go to the library or something but they're not going to have a whole lot of the encyclopedia is not going to tell me about first comics or whatever you know yeah you're just kind of relying on the comic book guy to tell you oh yeah i'm buying these or what's up with that company or 
maybe there were like there were mag like comics buyers guide and stuff like that but you know i only had so much money none of that that stuff wasn't all free like the internet you know if i'm buying marvel age and comics buyers guide, that's money i'm not spending on actual comic books that that was kind of the reason to buy wizard magazine too because i'm like i can keep up with books or things that i'm like not reading <laughs> and feel like I'm like learning about as weird as it is like, oh yeah, Wizard Magazine, they're promoing this thing this month, but you are like like where else are you you gonna get some of this information? Like it's not easy to come by. No, it makes sense. I just was so comic book obsessed. Like I would be like, Oh, that's two dollars, oh that's two comics I can buy whatever yeah. it is. And I love uh I, I ended up being friends with them, but I remember my buddy before we were friends hated me. Cause he's like, oh, it's this kid. He has like two dollars, and he spends like forty-five minutes at the quarter box trying to like <laughs> get his favorite eight issue. Like I used to, you know, because I didn't have a ton of money, so it was really like this like big drama of like, okay, how many? What's the most amount of comics I can buy <laughs> for my small amount of money? I'm gonna go through, look through every quarter bin and everything I can get. You know, any kind of sale or whatever, I was all over it. Yeah, they're like, oh, we hated it. We knew you were going to be there for <laughs> an hour, <laughs> staring, going through every issue. But, yeah, that's also how you found cool stuff. Like, sometimes you find even cheaper things, you know, you could get books. But, yeah, I don't know that there's, at least out here, the quarter bins are not as plentiful as they used to be. So, so you weren't bicycling to the local or not local college university in 1989 and, and getting on their their big vax terminals and getting onto the news groups there? Um, 89 were pretty close. I think I might have been. Okay. I might have been getting, because I was taking, I was still into computers. I think I was taking Fortran. Oh, nice. Kids still use that programming language, right, Kevin? Fortran. Uh, that's, that's really I useful. Mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it's still there's still old systems out there. So if you know that, it's it's a very specialized skill where I'm sure you can make some cash. But yeah, kind of a an out, um, not a dead language, but you know, well, uh, taking one class thirty years ago probably doesn't have a lot of. But that's also why I got out of programming back then. It was really tedious, stuff, like with the compiling and. You when you were test running a program, it took a good ten to twelve minutes of compiling and running libraries just to see if it would run, and it yeah. wouldn't run because you know you had to debug it. Yeah. So I found it not to my liking, and then soon at you know people that hung out got into C plus and C plus plus and all those sort of instant compiling programs, Turbo Pascal. But no one cares about that nonsense. They care about hot comic books. Yeah, it was weird. and then I didn't know where to go to talk comics anyways either, you know? It was all just me and my buddies in the same computer lab talking over terminals, which was pretty stupid. Like, hey, how are you? <laughs> like, we're literally 10 feet apart typing into the Unix boxes. Like, yeah. We were not uh, using the system to its full capacity obviously but just treating it like a big toy 
That that, that kind of reminds me of that um, fond uh, school memory of everyone, like after school, using the computer lab to like uh, play something like a, a StarCraft or World of Warcraft or any of those types of things, and then. Every, and then someone comes in there and is like, what are you guys doing? Get out of here. Everyone just looks up. They're like, oh, yeah, someone's talking to us. And they look back down, continue playing. Well, we were also so juvenile. Like, in Unix, it's <laughs> called finger. When you, So we would make jokes about fingering each other because that's the command to, like, get the details on them. And then I don't I remember... mean, that sounds like a joke that would be in your version of 8-Ball. Yes, there was also some command, and I don't remember what it was, but it would, like, interrupt what they were doing. Like, you could prompt them, and so you'd kind of watch what they were doing and wait for a strategic moment, and then shoot this command, and your blurb would interrupt whatever they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> we were jerks. <laughs> but, you know, you're just screwing around on a... Again, uh, I'm sure many of my classmates understood that this was the future, but... Dumb Andy was like, oh, it's a fun toy, but, you know, there's no future in this thing. It's going to be a bunch of geeks sitting in a room forever while real people do real things. Joke's on me. <laughs> they they were front futurists. Of a giant computer every day. Like, yeah, I thought it was just, you know, like it would just be something for engineers, not like all yeah. of us using it every day nonsense. But, yeah, 8-Ball... Will the train continue? Feel free to comment to the show. And let uh, us yeah, know. yeah, I gotta, I gotta say, I can't wait this until this becomes uh, one of the greatest stories ever. I mean, I, I don't think the second issue was uh, was better than the first issue. So you know. Yeah, I'm thinking that maybe the stuff like the Ghost World, the Art School, Confidential, the stuff that I feel is more. Like I said, the characters seem a bit more developed and consistent, and that sort of thing is really gonna pop for us, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe it's a, it's a, it's a little uh, a little rougher around the edges at the beginning, and maybe it's not greatness since from the beginning. I don't know. I haven't really done any research, rather than you know, just people in general saying this is so great, and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm waiting waiting for that moment. Well, is it because it's been skewering you so hard, Kevin? You're paralyzed by the searing ins searing insight into the human condition, a brutal cockeyed lampooning. I mean, that's obviously what it is. Like, I'm one of those um, guys that's that's laughing. I'm the lowest common denominator. <laughs> just just laughing at the TV, and I'm also really into British music, and I'm religious. <laughs> He's got, he, he's got. Oh, and I'm nails, also Kevin. a lawyer, an insurance guy, a doctor, and I'm into real estate. He's got you. That's the thing. Just uh, sour grapes, Kevin. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna move on, maybe. But thanks everyone for listening, Kevin. You got any final wrap up for us? Noise out. Justice for rabbit. Stop making noise. Is what we're supposed to be using. Noise out. Tip a chamberlain. <laughs> I don't know. Five bucks a night. 
No. Dollar. Two tucks. Hey, you guys aren't cuffed. What are you, narcs? Narcs? <laughs> Imagine. Us <laughs> narcs. No, no, no. No, actually, uh, we're uh, friends of a serial killer. <laughs> That's very nice. Oh, thank you. Suspected serial killer. He didn't actually do it. Yeah, well, we don't think. We're pretty sure. A dollar a night? Yeah, that's a good tip. Oh, that stinks. I read it in Ann Landers. Oh, Ann Landers sucks. Hey.